Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Sun Ho. Church, today the title of my message is Our Weakness, His Strength. Amen. I know that we all hate to feel weak. We all hate weakness. The truth is, more often than not, we want to be strong. We want to be strong for our children. We want to be strong for our family. We want to be strong for God. We want to be strong for our church. Even my 11-year-old boy wanted to be strong for me. We hate to feel weak or to be weak. We want to be that loving husband, the loving wife. We want to be that wise dad, the epic mom. We want to be the employee of the month. We want to be that strong and capable leader. Some of us, we wanted to be that favorite child that our mom would brag about to all the relatives during the Chinese New Year period, isn't it? You know, I can imagine all the relatives sitting together and mom just couldn't contain her joy. You know, and she just blurred and said, I have to tell you all this. My boy, my boy make it to Hua Chong Institution. And we can see from the faces of the relatives, approving faces, envious faces, and some were jealous. You know, and someone said, Hua Chong, wow, a boy. So how many marks do you get? Two, five, six. Another one said, what? Hua Chong, you know? Two, six, five, I think. And then you see mom with that big green on her face. And she said, no lah, my a boy, very lucky lah. Very lucky, my a boy. You know, just very fortunate. 270 lah. <laughs> Isn't that true? We all love to feel strong. We all love to be strong. And there's nothing wrong being wanting to be strong. But yet, in reality, we often find ourselves so weak. We fail in our commitments and our promises to ourselves and to others. We often feel so affected by situations and get so fearful. We wonder to ourselves, why does God let us stay so weak? Why do we struggle and fail so much? Why do we often feel so powerless in our faith? Why is it so hard to put sin to death? My friend, the thing is, God does not need you to be strong. God does not need us to be strong for Him. God wants to be strong for us. And who can say amen to that? God wants to be strong for us. In our fallen nature, we often want to be strong in a way that reflects well on us. But God wants us to be strong in a way that reflects His love for us. Can I reiterate that? We often want to be strong in a way that reflects well on us. But God wants to be strong in a way that reflects His love. He wants us to be strong in a way that reflects His love for you and for me. While we are deeply discouraged by our limitations, the depression that we have been struggling all these years and still struggling, the inability to forgive, the anger problem, when we are overwhelmed by our fear of what the future may hold for us, we fail City Harvest. We fail to see 
the only reason why God allows us in these situations is because He wants to cultivate something strong in us. That is the only reason, because He wants to cultivate something strong and something great in us, that in our weakness, we will discover His strength. That in our weakness, we will see how God's strength will take over. In Exodus chapter 12, the Israelites were miraculously released from the slavery and led out of Egypt by Moses. And by chapter 14, we see that Israel was encamped by the Red Sea, but in a very vulnerable position. The Bible says that they were flanked by mountains on their left and their right. And the Egyptian army were hot on heels and by now has pinned them against the Red Sea. They were in a dead end. The only thing, the only option that seems possible, it's either death by sword or death by drowning. You see, my friends, God on purpose had led the Israelites to the Red Sea. Why? Because He has a plan. God wanted to humiliate Pharaoh and his army in the dramatic soup but the Israelites didn't understand that. They didn't understand the purpose of God. They couldn't see the purpose of God in all this. So they panicked. They got angry. And they started murmur against God and Moses. I want you to look with me at Exodus chapter 14 and verse 11. Look at the verse. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us? to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? I know that the Bible says that they said to Moses, but can I suggest to you that it definitely was not a friendly inquiry. It definitely was not, um, excuse me, Moses, do you have a minute? We have a question for you. Is it because you think that there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to the desert to die? No, my friends. The people were angry. The people were shouting. They were screaming. I can imagine a man must have shouted at the top of his voice and said, Moses, what have you done to us? What have you done to us to bring us to this desert to die? Were there no graves in Egypt that you have brought us out here to die, to humiliate us? And see what Moses said to the people that were fearful and they were angry. In verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptian you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord, City Harvest, the Lord will fight for you. And true enough, you and I know, we have read from our Bible, we have seen it in the movie. When the Israelites were being chased into the Red Sea by the Egyptians, what did God do? He opened up a dry path for His people to walk through. As soon as the last person crossed over to the other side, God allowed the Red Sea to swallow up the Egyptians. At an instant, the most powerful army in the world was destroyed. 
after the resounding victory, Moses and the people erupted into a song of praise. Exodus chapter 15, verse 2. Exodus 15, verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song, the people said. And He has become my salvation. He's my God and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exhort Him. In that absolute weakness, in the absolute weakness of the Israelites, God became the strength and their song. I want you to consider this. When the Israelites were being pinned against the Red Sea, God could have done something, couldn't He? God could have turned them into a nation of Samson's. We read from the Bible how powerful Samson was, how strong he was. God could have turned them into a nation of Samson's. The Holy Spirit could have come upon them like a rushing mighty wind. They could have whipped the Egyptian with a whole bunch of donkeys, uh, jawbones. They could have done that. We would have loved that, wouldn't we? When we are being pinned against our life circumstances. We wish that God would turn us into some sort of a Samson. We wish that God would turn us into some kind of Christian heroes. But why doesn't God do that? Why didn't God do that for the Israelites? Do you remember Samson? When God gave Samson the ability and the power to overcome a thousand Philistines on his own, what was that song? What was the song that he sung after that? Look with me at Judges chapter 15 and verse 16. Judges 15. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. You see, friends, there was no song of praise to God by Samson's after that exploit. In fact, there was never a song of praise to God after any of Samson's exploits. Why? Because Samson was not in the place of absolute weakness where God was his only option. Friends, Samson was not in a place of weakness where God was his only choice and only option. Like the Israelites in Exodus, there will be times, my friends, that God will allow you and I. He will allow us to come to a place of weakness, where we feel trapped, where we feel so deeply discouraged, panicky, or even angry. But we will never fully understand what it means for God to be our strength, our song, and our salvation until we find ourselves in a weak enough place where God is our only option. And who can say amen? We will never discover His strength. We will never make Him our song and our salvation until God is our only option. Where we turn to Him like Moses did, telling the people, God, the Lord, will fight for us. Only then will we discover that God is indeed our song. So often, our obsession with strength, I got to be strong. I got to be strong. And I have to say, I have to confess, I'm one of those 
You know, with those that are close to me, I always say, you don't understand, I have to be strong. And I'm guilty for making statements like that. Our obsession with strength blinds us from a key Bible truth. That is, God uses the weak. God uses the weak. Please go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. One of the greatest men ever lived in history was the Apostle Paul. The Bible says that before his conversion, he was a scholar and he was given a very high position by the religious authority of his time. And after Paul became a Christian, we read that he was very anointed. He was given tremendous revelations by the Lord Jesus himself. So here we see a man that was educated, well-connected, anointed, and a mighty man of God. As an apostle, a man of action, Paul didn't like the idea of being weak. Like you and I, he, doesn't like, he didn't like the idea of being weak. But yet here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we see something interesting. Paul was a man who understood weakness. Paul was a man who understood weakness. The Bible says that Paul had a thorn in his flesh, which he said was a messenger of Satan sent to harass him. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let's look at verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measures. Some scholars believe that this thorn was the persecution for the religious Jews. Others who have observed Galatians chapter 4 verse 13 think that Paul had a chronic sickness that affected his eyesight. So perhaps that was his thorn in the flesh. But whatever, City Harvest, whatever Paul's affliction was, he didn't like being weak. Paul didn't like being weak. And in verse 8, he says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So Paul sorted Jesus on three separate occasions about it. But to his surprise, Jesus explained to him why he didn't and he wouldn't remove the weakness. Jesus explained to him why he didn't remove the weakness. Verse 9, And Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. We all know this verse so well. We throw this verse at any friends that needs encouragement, that we know that is going through something difficult. We say, you know, God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you. But what does it mean? For my strength is made perfect in weakness. I want you to read with me the message version of the Bible. And I want us to read together. Can you do that for me? One, two, three. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. My strength comes into its own. Listen carefully to what Jesus is saying. It is when you and I come to the end of ourselves. It is when you and I has come to a place where we are exhausted all our abilities, experience, and cleverness when there's no one else and nothing else that we can turn to 
except Jesus alone. Jesus says, at a time of absolute weakness, my strength comes into its own. What does that mean? My strength will kick in. That's what Jesus is saying. In your absolute weakness, that is the time my strength will kick in. My strength will kick in. When there's no one else you can turn to, when there's nothing else you can do, Jesus promised you that His strength will come into its own. When Paul realized that, he started rejoicing. In verse 9, he says, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul came to a place where he was absolutely okay with his weakness. Can I say that again? Paul came to a place where he was absolutely okay with his weakness. Look with me at the NIV version of verse 10, and I want you one more time to please read together with me. One, two, three. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. What did Paul say? I delight. I delight. I delight in weaknesses. How can Paul delight in weaknesses? How can he be happy when he was insulted by others? How could he be happy in the face of hardship? How could he be happy? How could he delight over those persecutions? He could delight in all these because he had this revelation. Verse 10, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I like how the Message Bible puts it. It elaborated a little bit more. Here Paul is saying, I just let Christ take over. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. I know we all frown at weaknesses. I know that we all hate to feel weak. But here God's words tells us that weakness is an occasion for you and I to let Jesus take over. Friends, if you didn't hear any word that I've spoken earlier, I want you to listen carefully. The Word of God tells us that weakness is an occasion for Jesus, for us to let Jesus take over. Weakness is an occasion for you and I to surrender to Him and for His strength to kick in. He is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for His strength to shine through. He will give you everything that you need to overcome this problem. He will make a way where there seemed no way. Like the Israelites in their Red Sea date and situation, Paul's thorn in his flesh has become his song of praise to God. I just let Christ take over. So the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Many years ago, the singer Frank Sinatra sang a song called The Haunted Heart. What do we mean having a heart that is haunted? We say that a house is haunted when a ghost from the past habitually appears in it. But my question today to you and to me is, what in our past 
is habitually gripping our hearts and our minds today? What in our past is habitually gripping our minds and our hearts, keeping us awake in the night, making us behaving like a zombie in the day? What in our past is habitually gripping our hearts and our minds? Is it a past failure, my friend? Is it a guilt? Is it a shame? Is it a sorrow? Or was it an offense? A haunted house always strikes fear. So when you and I have a haunted heart, that fear paralyzes us. That fear makes us unable to let Christ take over. Like what Paul has described in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In order for us to lift up what Paul has experienced, City Harvest, the strength of Jesus in the face of absolute weakness, our hearts must not be haunted. I don't know whether you hear me. I say in order for us to experience what Paul experienced, in order for us to lift out that strength of Jesus in the face of our absolute weakness, our hearts cannot be haunted. Your heart and my heart cannot be haunted. When we are weakened by a past trauma or a present crisis, the natural tendency for you and I is to worry, to panic and be afraid. But I need you to understand this great truth, City Harvest. That weakness is not the same as fear. Weakness is not the same as fear. Fear is from Satan, the devil himself. Fear is from Satan, the devil himself. When we are weak, we must not give in to fear. We can be weak but we must not give in to Satan. Instead, we must focus on Jesus. We must focus on His strength and we must focus on His promises for us. We can be weak by our sickness, but we don't need to be fearful today. We can be weakened by our bankruptcy, but we don't need to be afraid. We can be weakened in a situation where we don't know what the future holds for us. But City Harvest, you and I, don't need to be fearful. Weakness is not equal to fear. Weakness is not fear because fear is from Satan, the devil himself. And you and I are not given to it. Amen? We are not given to Satan. We are not given to the devil. What did God say in Isaiah 41 verse 10? Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, for I am with you. Why do we fear? We fear because we are afraid. At the end of that tunnel, the light is not there. We are afraid because we are afraid that God will abandon us. We are fearful because we are afraid that God will not fulfill His promises from the Bible to us. And God is saying to you and to me, I know. That's why I say, fear not. I am with you. I'm with you. I am the light 
at the end of your tunnel. In fact, I'm traveling through this tunnel with you. I was in your past. I'm in your present. And I will be in your future. Fear not, for I'm with you. Fear not, city harvest. Fear not, my brother and my sister. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Friends, God is not just the God of the masses. He is your God. He is my God. He is our personal Savior. And even if it's just, there's just one you, He will still come and fight for you. If there's just one you, He will still part the Red Sea and give you the dry path to go to the other side. The Word of God tells us last week that He will flatten every mountain. He will go before you. He will break down every gates of bronze. He will cut through every bars of iron. Be not dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What does that mean? God is saying, I will hold you together. I will make sure that your life don't fall apart. No matter what happened, I'll make sure that you will not fall apart. Fear not, my people. Fear not. For 40 years, I was terrified of cats. I hear you, Pastor Aris. Yes, for 40 years of my life, I was terrified of cats. The reason was because when I was a little girl, one day on my way to my aunt's house on the pedestrian path, I thought, I really thought that I heard a baby crying. So running towards the motorcycle, the stationary motorcycle where I thought the, the sound came from or the crying came from, two cats jumped out in front of me. Some of you are laughing. Please, empathize with me. I know it might not sound much to you, but for a four-year-old, those two cats traumatized me so badly that from then on, I was terrified of cats. The sight of a cat coming into a coffee shop would just kill every appetite that I have and make me jump off my chair, run out of that coffee shop even before I can say bye to my friends. A glimpse of anything that looks like a cat at a void deck would make me look for the furthest and the longer route to get to the unit that I need to go to. That was how embarrassing it was. And my ultimate nightmare is to be thrown into a room full of cats. <laughs> and I tell you, I had many of those growing up. And just before you laugh at me, which you already did, and before you judge me, for those friends that know me well, I'm not a person that's easily given to fear. I'm not fearful of the dark. Not fearful of blood injections, some of you gentlemen. I'm not. <laughs> and all the wives wonder why, right? But anyway, I'm not fearful of the dark, not fearful of blood or injection. I'm not fearful of coffins. 
I'm not fearful of cockroaches, those creepy little things. And I'm definitely not fearful of demons. So many times in my life, I encountered demons and I would bind them and bound them up in the name of Jesus. But just show me a cat and all the anointing is gone. <laughs> Few years back, one of our song leaders, Shalene, then was a cat breeder, showed Dayan some of the pictures of her Bengal cats. Uh-oh. And for Dayan, it was a fluff at first sight. You can smell trouble, right? And immediately, he came to me and pleaded with me, Mommy, Mommy, can I have a cat for a pet? For someone that's terrified of cats, the thought of a cat in my house is unthinkable. But Dayan was relentless. He kept pestering me the whole night, wouldn't let me sleep, and kept saying, Mommy, Mommy, please, please, pretty, please. And because he knows me so well, he knows what's the right button to press. He said, Mommy, Mommy, please, pretty, pretty, please, Mommy, please pray about it. Please pray about it. He knows that when someone asks me to pray about something, it will feel wrong if I don't. So guess what? I have to pray over this ridiculous request. And when I was praying, the Holy Spirit actually, oh God, the Holy Spirit gave me a thought. How wonderful it would be if my life is freed from this phobia. So reluctantly, I agreed to go to Shalene's place with Dan to look at those cats. The night before we went, I decided to Google about Bengal cats. <laughs> Knowledge is power, right? Not really. Not at this instance. The site online said, Bengal cats are extremely active, highly intelligent. They have a tendency or they have the ability to grow to fairly big size. They are not for the faint-hearted. When I read that, every strength in me just left. That night, you can imagine, I could hardly have any hours of sleep. I was pacing the floor. I was lifting up my hands. I was praying in tongues. I was doing self-deliverance. I was so afraid. And the next day, when I went with Dan to see those cats, I still remember my stomach was churning so badly. I was sweating profusely. And I feel like, I felt like I, I want to vomit. That's exactly how I felt. And at first I was just staring at those kittens and those cats from afar off. And then Dayan so excitedly picked up that cat, one of the kittens, and brought it to me and put it on my lap. <laughs> I wanted to scream. I wanted to run away. But Shalene and her husband, Jason, were there. It would not be very glam for Pastor Sun to be running away, right? Not really. I didn't run away. 
because of my love for Dayan. I saw how Dayan really wanted that kitten for a pet, and how he really wanted me to accept that kitten. My love for him gave me the strength to allow a cat to even come so close to me. So there I was, seated there, allowing this furry thing to sit on me. <laughs> but that day, I realized that love is the strongest conquering power over fear. Love is the strongest conquering power over fear. When frozen in my seat with a kitten in my lap, I receive a revelation. That furry little thing was actually shivering in fear. What I was afraid of was actually more afraid of me. <laughs> That day, when I take a look at my fear in the face one more time, I realize how irrational and out of proportion my fear was. And friends, for many years, the devil has been lying to you, intimidating you, putting fears in your heart. What I need you to do is what I did. I need you to look at fear. I need you to look at your fear in the face one more time, and you will realize that much of your fear is irrational and out of proportion. Fear. It's from Satan, the devil himself. Weakness is not equal to fear. Fear not, for I'm with you. God says, and I'm sure you can guess how my cat's story ended. I fell in love with them. Of course, this may be a simple story, but to me, that fear was so real. That fear crippled. Me. That fear haunted me for most of my life. My friends, I don't know what you're afraid of, but I know one thing: all fears have one common denominator. It cripples us, and God doesn't want us to be crippled by fear. God doesn't want us. To have a heart that's haunted. Jesus loves us. He wants His strength to kick in in our absolute weakness and desperation. Why don't we all stand on our feet right now? Jesus. Preach the word of God the best that I know how. Tonight, Holy Spirit, take over. Jesus, let your people experience the strength, your strength, the strength of Jesus, in the face of our absolute weakness. That's right. Just pray in tongues for a while. 
Friends, as we live life in this broken down world, what God wants to tell us today is He doesn't need us to be strong for Him. He wants to be strong for us. He wants to be our strength. He wants to be our song. All He needs is that you and I will fully and totally depend on Him and believe that He is our very present help in time of weakness, in time of needs. When David and I are afraid at home, when we feel troubled, I always sing the song to Him. Jesus loves me. all his best for you he will be the light at the end of your tunnel fear not my people for I'm with you be not dismayed for I'm your God I will strengthen you yes I will help you I will uphold you with my righteous right no matter what happened, I will make sure that your life will not fall apart. And tonight when we sing this song again, I want you to open up your heart to the Lord. If you have forgotten how much He has loved you and how much He loves you, tonight, receive the revelation once again there's nothing He will not do for you, my friend. He just wants your heart not to be haunted. Though we are weak in our absolute weakness, that is when Jesus take over. Jesus loves 
friend, are you struggling with your rate seated and situation? Tonight, are you feeling that you are being pinned against a crisis, a sickness, that there just seems to be no way out? Is your life spinning out of control and you just feel so powerless to do anything about it? Jesus loves you. He loves me. Fear not. Fear not. Let not your heart be haunted by that failure. Let not your heart be haunted by that sorrow, that shame, that guilt, that offense. Trust Him. Let Jesus take the wheel. Let Jesus take over. He's here in His presence. It's here. And tonight, if that's you, and you said, Son, my heart has been haunted. I don't seem to be able to shake away from this fear. Or some of you might say, Son, I'm in this desperate situation. I feel so weak. I don't know what to do. My friend Jesus is here and He wants to touch you afresh. Let Jesus take over and you will see and you will experience the weaker you are, the stronger you become. So if that's you, when we sing this song again, I want you to just come to the front the rest of us just continue to worship the Lord. If that's you, just come to the front. Pastors, leaders, cell group leaders, ministry leaders, help me. Let's minister to these people. I believe that God is going to touch them in a new way. Many of you are going to be set free from the heart that's haunted by fear, by guilt, by shame. Shame is on Jesus on the cross. You are a new creation, my friend. Just come forward quickly. Just come forward. Come forward. That's right. If that's you, just come forward. Yes, Jesus loves me.
pray with me. Pray with me a little bit more. Many are being set free. Many are being touched by the Holy Spirit. My friends, tonight, even while sit, standing on your seat, I really feel in my heart that the Lord wants to tell us that He is the strength of our lives. The psalmist David says in verse 1 of Psalms 27, The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In the day when I cried out, you answered me. You make me bold with strength in my soul. I just want us to all put our hands on our heart, our belly. Just put our hands on ourselves right now. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that is here tonight. Lord, no matter what circumstances that they are facing, oh God, you know them. Jesus, you want to be their strength. No matter what struggles, oh God, that they are facing. Lord, your word to them is that they can stop struggling because you don't need them to be strong for you. You want to be strong for them. So Holy Spirit, touch my brother and my sister. Touch them right now. Cause them to be courageous. Cause them to be courageous, oh God. Cause them to be strong in the soul. Even as we wait upon you, Lord. Strengthen. Strengthen our soul and our heart, oh God. Lord Jesus, raise City Harvest Church up. Raise us up, oh God to be the man and the woman that you have destined us to be. Lord, truly in our weakness, we boast of your strength. As we decrease, O oh God, you will increase. We ask, O oh God, that even as a broken vessel, that your presence will so flow through us. Lord, to take this nation by storm for you. Raise city of us up, O oh God. Raise us up to be strong, to be bold, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, oh God, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless this church, bless everyone that have come, Lord. Be our strength in the week to come. In Jesus' name and all God's people say, why don't we give Jesus another big hand? And that's the end of this week's podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email us at connect at chc.org.sg 